to see your role in things here. So that, first of all, one of the major uh, portrayals and self-centeredness is <coughs> yes? You feel powerless as if something's imposing itself on you. And, but like in The Course in Miracles, it said, um, you and I are the dreamer of this dream. We've given it all, of, we've dreamt the dream, and we've forgotten we've dreamt it, and so in that forgetting, we've given it all the power to affect us. Yeah? So we, in a sense, project this place, or give meaning to things, and then you respond or react to that meaning as if it's solid and real out there. In other words, that it has its own existence, and its own existence is affecting your existence. Yeah? But really, it's almost like here. If today you're not in good shape, this would could be a problem. Yeah, I'm not saying this, but we're saying <laughs> yes. This ultra vista can be a problem because you don't have an ultra vista. <laughs> Your vista isn't too ultra right now. It's very very ordinary. So yeah, this could be a problem. Yeah, and the next day, if I'm feeling pretty good, it's not a problem. The next day I'm not feeling good, it is a problem. What is it? Is it inherently a problem or not a problem? It's really neither. Yeah? It's almost as if it's a canvas that your meaning gets projected onto. And then that meaning has an effect on you. You think it's the thing that's having an effect on you, but it's the meaning you gave that that has an effect on you. Yes? Now, many of us who have suffered from a mental disease called alcoholism, we have been reacting most of our lives from meaning things have been given. Yeah? Internal things like thoughts as being real. Yeah? Uh, forecasts up here of being definitely, positively going to come to pass. Yes? Yeah? So a lot of things have been given meaning inside and quote-unquote outside as being real. So a lot of false evidence appears real. Yes? And people who are in recovery, when they've gone into recovery, one of the first things we do is we share what? We go to a meeting of people and we share our, or we don't share, but we hear other people share their feelings, their thoughts, and their reactions to life. Basically, that's what a share is. It's your feelings and your thoughts and and a reaction to life, your reactions to life. And if you're sitting there and you have somewhat of an open mind, sooner or later, what you hear will, will only bring about two possible assumptions. Either, how did these people get my thoughts, my feelings, and my reactions? Yeah. Or, they mustn't be my thoughts, my feelings, and my reactions. Now, that's a quantum leap of understanding. When you see that what you're taking so personal as being yours and being solid and real and the sense of terminal uniqueness has set in, which is really an incredible form of deep isolation. Feeling that you're unique and no one feels like you feel and no one can understand you. It's so unbelievable. You know, it's selfing in some of its glorious states. No one can understand what I'm going through. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> when you hear other people have the same thoughts about things and the same feelings and the same reactions to life, then you get an incredible invitation. I may not be that. 
I, these may not be mine. That's the beginning of I may not be that. They may not be mine. These thoughts may not be mine. These feelings may not be mine. And if you sit around for a while <coughs> and you entertain the principles of, of recovery, it may lead you to the point to see that what really you're reacting to is an interpretation of life from a system called self-centeredness. And a lot of people have been reacting or interpreting life from the same system. And so when you hear them share about what they think life is and how it feels and what they're thinking about and what they do, and then you'll say, hey, I do the same thing, and this person does the same thing, and you go to India, and someone who has alcoholism in India does the same thing. And you go to Bali, they are doing the same thing. And all these different people, you realize, hey, I'm not really identifying with who they are, but what's taking them over. They're living from the same place I'm living from, seemingly. Yeah? Self-centeredness. What an incredible invitation. Because, <coughs> like, I'm speaking about recovery, you know, it goes the same thing. The original problem is, you know, addiction to self. <laughs> and that addiction to self has produced all these, and the addiction to self, being in self, what you do to anything that arises in you is you claim it and then manage it. And what we find in recovery, it isn't drinking and using. Drinking and using has stopped for me for 20-something years. It's the desire to manage, the mind's desire and craving to control and manage. Yes? That's the disease. And we were starting to feel that when we were younger because life started to feel a little bit weird or something. And we tried to manage that by getting high. Yeah? And that, that solution to what we saw as a problem became a bigger problem. And it didn't bring any real relief from the original problem. Yeah? So this self-centered system is just a system of thought and interpretation. And if the mind that seems to be wed to it, yeah, by being identified as it, can entertain it's not that, the first thing that arises in that head is that I can be free of it. When it would never arise before, because if you're identified as it, you'll never be able to entertain you can be free of it. All you can do is entertain getting therapy for it, maybe civilizing it a little better, socializing it. Maybe you'll be able to have a two-month-long relationship if you're lucky before you flip out or don't throw a giant pie at the barbecue or whatever. And so your idea of success will be very, very, very like, small. But it will seem like a big deal to you when you don't throw that pie at the picnic because, once again, it's a subjective experience. Yes? So if you are in a hell, there's a great joy of getting released from it. So most of us are living that. We've been in a very big hell, and now we've gotten a little relief of it, and that's our subjective experience, whereas other people... Like, we give ourselves great credit for not drinking. Other people could give me a fucking break. It was killing you, ruining your life. You don't need any. There's no virtue in you not drinking. It was total survival. But no, I'm not drinking today. So, subjectively, we have an experience of great results from a small shift. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about this place. There is no... Uh, ruler to measure anyone's experience or anyone's sense of freedom. Because someone who just found that cardboard box at 6th and Market and he can, sl- he can climb into it has an incredible sense of freedom right now. And it has an incredible sense of security. 
that he's found a cardboard box in an alley and all, this, all the businesses are closed and he can go in there and get some, an hour of rest. That's just like going to the temple and bowing down in a very safe, lovely place with all these bells going on. To him, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing, but the freedom in that experience is sort of the same because of the subjectivity of this place. This is totally subjective here. As long as there's this, there's going to be a subjective experience. Yeah? You're going to have unique takes on things. And so, let's say today, my toaster didn't burn my toast. And it's always burning my toast, so there was a great relief in the toast not being burnt. Everyone's saying, what is the fucking relief in toast not being burnt? Well, if your toast is burnt every week, then when it isn't, there's a great sense of relief. That's what a lot of us are engaging in now. We've come out of a life of deep addiction, and we're getting relief from not being in that life. But then there's a point where that's one sort of a freedom. But this is a new freedom and a new happiness we're speaking about, which isn't based on having extreme tension and then relief from that. Or having an extreme, difficult situation and then getting removed from that. This is about more like a state, not an experience, yes? So you come out of the realm of experience, and then you start entering into states where, because I'm not that, the relief isn't based on that false, oh, I'm really worried something's going to happen, I'm really worried something's going to happen, I'm really worried something's going to happen, and then it doesn't happen. That's not what happens anymore. You don't have that, I'm really worried about something happening. You have a relief prior to that event of tightness and then release. Tightness and release. Tightness and release. It's almost like hitting a button in the hospital to let your pain medication in. Yep. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. I was really flipped out. I thought I, I went, oh, but I did. Oh. <laughs> but it was all made up in a sense, yeah? Total, total subjective game. And who's playing God? Your head. Which in life or in recovery, it says the first requirement of the whole freedom of AA in recovery is to quit playing God. Well, it's good to find out what is playing God. And if you're not that, that's what I would call quitting playing God. If you're not that which is playing God, yes, that's, that's quitting playing God. You don't stop playing God, you quit playing God. Because you're not identified anymore with that. Yes? So it keeps playing God, but it's weaker and weaker because the only thing that gave it any oomph in its giving meaning and producing interpretations was your juice. And your juice was given over to it by being identified as it. When that is broken, that identification, your juice stays somewhere other than in its little uh, technicolor porno house, yeah? Projecting incredible vistas of what's not going to happen. <laughs> And then, and then having your mind just get obsessed with all that possibility. Oh, I could have cancer. Oh, my girlfriend's sleeping with my best friend, even though she's in the hospital after a colon operation. But I know she slipped out and is having sex with my best friend. I'm positive of it. <laughs> and it sounds ridiculous, but when you're in that theater, it doesn't. You're into it. You don't have any immunity to it. And it's fucking crazy when you hear someone else share it, but you're going, oh, yeah, in there. I'll be right with you after this over. I'm going right back in there. What's going to happen to me next week? I'm not going to have money. So the thing is, the whole point in here is, if you're tired of 
of the product of your life, yes? The meaning that's been given to life. Question where that meaning comes from. It's not coming from out there. There's no out there, first of all. There is no object called an illusion that's putting a sway over you. You are part and parcel and a participant in this thing. Yeah? You're giving me, right while you're here, right now, there's meaning being given to life, not from any other place but right here. Yes? Right where, where you believe you're located is where the meanings are being given to life. So it's not about looking at that and trying to change all that. Just check this out. If I'm not that, if I'm not that idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, yeah? if I'm not that, if you can entertain, that's dropping out of that system. Yes? And when you see the system give meaning, which it will continue to do, but without the juice of your belief in it, you'll see how weak it is. Yes? It will be very easy to have immunity to what's not happening because you'll be anchored in what's happening. And that is the sole greatest immunity to what's not happening, a recognition or awareness of what's happening. If you're always in there, then the only here that's up there is a mythical here. It's not really here. It's a mental here that's just a part and parcel there, and it's used to compare and find fault in. Yes? So the here that you think you're in, which is a mind here, isn't enough in this realm. So your mind always want, looks at this, oh, this is boring, there's nothing going on here, but that here is not what's going on. That's a mental here. And it just strings out into there again. I hope it will be better later. Blah, 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 blah. Yes? Yeah, 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 yeah. So people go, oh, I don't really like being here. But they've never actually been here. The here that they don't like is a mental representation of here. It is not here. Here has a feeling that is very compelling in a sense, or a sense, or a presence that's compelling to your attention and interest. Your attention and interest, if not wed to being identified as self, naturally goes back into its own nature. It really does. It's nothing you have to force. There's no practice that you force your attention back into its own source. It actually goes there. There's no there to go to, but you know what I mean? It, it entertains what it is, which is that awareness, yes? While it's entertaining other quote-unquote things. Yes? It doesn't lose... Yes, the attention interest doesn't get lost in the identification itself. It always remembers its source, which is this present awareness, yes? And so while it's paying the dues or giving unto Caesar that's due Caesar or doing what you do in Rome when you're in Rome and all this stuff, attention interest, it's still resting in its source, yeah? But if it believes its source is you, that's like us resting in a black hole. If there's a sense that you're that idea of being a self, your interest and attention is wedded to that. Yes? It's almost like it has a homing device. And that homing device is just going to go to wherever you believe is you. If you believe you're this presentation up here, your interest and attention is going to go there. And you may try to pull it away from there, you may try to do something to, you know, break that bondage, but all of that is part and parcel of being it. Yeah? Because the tricky thing with this system of self-centeredness, <clears throat> it's not presenting itself to you, it presents itself as you. Yeah? Self-centeredness is not going, oh, here, Paul, this is a new system for your little format. Self-centeredness, oh, isn't it wonderful? No, 
When it's presenting, if there's a feeling that it's presenting it to you, you've already bought the fucking system. You're already in self-centeredness. When it's a feeling that something's being presented to me, there's an invitation coming to me. That's self-centeredness. Yes? In other words, something is being seen as pertaining to you. Always. It's a perfect definition of the system. Self-centered. So, something's happening. Oh, I've been entertaining a new way of life. That's selfing. Wow. It's just, oh, they can be entertaining of a new way of life, but as soon as there's a you entertaining a new way of life, that's the old way of life. The new way of life is a part of the old way of life. Self can't get out of self. Oh, I bet you it can. No, it can. There is no authentic self. Every, this feeling and this drive to know and be something is part and parcel of the system called self-centeredness. It's not a natural, authentic feeling arising you as an organic entity. It is not that. It's a production of the system that's driving, quote-unquote, you crazy. So anytime you try to get out of the system, that's just another form of being in, in the system. We're on such a level that we don't even recognize maybe... Most of us are just in a consequential level in that system, yes? We know the shit hits the fan when after it hits us in the face. It's really, really very slow time. I mean, you're fucked, really. You're just at the consequences of things, yeah? If everything would just leave me alone, I'd be great, that type of attitude. <laughs> crazy. It really is. And you don't even know what you're feeling. I mean, we, we have a recovery when you first come in. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Start recognizing when you're hungry. Okay. I'm like, that far out to lunch? I don't know when I'm hungry? Yeah. I used to have these, I thought it was like a cosmic question was coming over me. I just needed a bologna sandwich. I swear to God. I had this, it was like an incredible mystical event. It was produced by lack of nutrition. I had to learn to eat, to know when I was hungry, to recognize anger, to know when I'm it's just like, just look at that, you know? <laughs> that you have no clue when you're hungry and you're going tired. I would say you're out for lunch, literally, aren't you? Seriously. If you can't even recognize when you're hungry, <laughs> something's asleep at the wheel. Literally, right? Or when you're lonely. I mean, these are basic drives of being here. This is like, you know... Video game 101, you enter the game, hung, okay, 100 points are hungry, okay, we can't we missed the first flipper of the pinball, I don't know if I'm hungry, you know, this is a real deep level of unconsciousness, obviously, don't you see, if you're so consumed in you, and yet you don't even know when you are hungry, something's off, obviously, or if, let's say you go to your job, and then, you come home after the day at 9 o'clock at night and your mind breaks the news to you, you had a bad day. That's incredible to me. I mean, if you were there and it was bad, you would know it was bad when it was batting, you know? When the verb of batting was going, hey, this is a bad fucking day. This is not a bad day, but this is not bad. This is bad. Instead, 10, 12 hours, maybe a year later, maybe 12 years later, oh, I'm really pissed at that person. They hurt me 15 years ago. Jesus, you're a little late, aren't you? 15 years, you know, would have made it be appropriate to be mad at them when it happened, but now you're mad at them in this mythical little story of you as an action figure. It's, you're out to lunch, yes? 
So let's say here, you're identified as self. Self-centeredness is the original distortion. Original distortion. Now everything seems to be a little weird. And the distortion, geometrically, more distortion, more distortion, more distortion. Or ignorance begets ignorance, yes? So basically we're in the state of ignoring our own nature and living the life of a pseudo-nature called a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body. The story of what it's like to be a body here. Yeah? That's the whole center of self. And if you look at your thought system, how does your thought system present you to you? As a body, yeah? If you go back in the past and try to think about you, what, how do you think about you in the past? As a body. Try to think of you as anything else. If you think of you as a spirit, it's, it's you as a spirit, as a body. I'm telling you. I've looked at it. And when you go into the future, and you, all those worryings, all those obsessing over you, appearing in the land of what's not happening, what do you appear as in that world of what's not happening? A body, yeah? If you're taking yourself or relying on this system, you are a body. Are a body. Yes? And there's nothing more painful than if a body, when a body tries to become spiritual. <laughs> because primarily it's a body. It's like wearing Teflon and pouring like oil on yourself all day. Why am I, why isn't it soaking through? Why am I becoming totally saturated with this oil? Well, you're Teflon. You're identified as a physical object trying to become a non-thing. You're a freaking grace. Reliance on self. Obviously, reliance on self is a verb that's happening when you're believing your thoughts now. That's called reliance on self. It's not an event that you made a, you made a commitment to 20 years ago or that you can break by a ritual. It's a verb. A verb every moment of the day. Yes? In a sense, you're either dying to the self or as the self. It's one way or the other. Dying as a self is you're believing your thoughts, which cast you as a body, and you're believing this place is being real, and then spirit is this non, really a non-factor, basically, which you hope has some, some oomph that you can have, take advantage of as a body. Really. Yeah? Dying to the self is when the thoughts do not have your attention and interest anymore. Yes, you hear them, but you don't listen anymore. You see them, but you don't look anymore. Yes? Because what was causing this, this, the hearing to turn into listening was your interest and attention. And your interest and attention made that leap because it thought it was about you. It was identified as that. Once your interest and attention is wed to that, and that's not addressed, it doesn't matter how much interest and attention you put on the things, it will bring that back to itself. And so whatever practice or whatever we're doing will really be a loop of self-importance in most cases. Because it will be you doing it. You having it. Yes? It's like interest and attention is this way, going this way. And it goes this way at the same time. This way, when we're identified as a self, it's like it hits 
we think we only have a one-way mirror. It's me, and then this ability to reflect is a verb I'm doing. I'm conscious. So when the attention goes this way, it hits the opaqueness of the back of the mirror, which is identification of the body. If you entertain you're not that, it will go through that, and you'll see it's a two-way mirror. It's reflecting both. And you get a sense of traveling lighter this way. Because your attention just doesn't go like this and then come back to you all day. It goes through you in a sense, yes? It, it's, it breaks the imaginary straightness of the line and the abruptness of hitting a thing and stopping and then hitting another thing and stopping and just boom, 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 self-importance. It breaks that and you actually see, I wouldn't say it's circular because it's everywhere, but it's more like a circular thing going on. And that's like an irrigation or a fucking, like an irrigation. That's, that pool can be stagnant or it can be moving. This is moving. This is stagnant. Because every time you meet something, there's a reaction, I know. I know that. I know that. I know how this thing's going to be. I know how she is. I know how this is. I know how that place is. Yes? There's no finding out anymore. All you're doing is fucking sleepwalking. Because everything you walk into, you think you know, don't you? At all costs, you do not want to be surprised. <laughs> you want to have a sense of mental security. I want to know. Even if it's miserable, it's a familiar, all right, I'm with that. It's all right with me. But that me isn't you. Yes? This is about that mental knowing, that mental sense of security is... If this is a byproduct, you don't do this. When you entertain you're not that, what happens is you'll be thrust in a mode of finding out. Like in Zen, they'd say you'd be in the I don't know mind, which is obviously open for what? Finding out. So you show up, just like you know in the day. If you take this day just to be the way it is, at 8 o'clock in the morning, let's say you're dealt a deck of cards that day. The first card at 8 a.m. in the morning, you can't get the 4 p.m. card at 8 a.m. Can you? Yeah? you got to play that card. You can't get the 2 o'clock card. You definitely can't get 2014 cards. But here you go, you get the card, you wake up, and you say, oh, I know how the day will be. Your mind wants to project on on the whole card game and come to a conclusion. Oh, I know what it's going to be like. Especially if it gets a deuce. Oh, I always get the deuce. I never get a queen. Whatever. It's this fucking story, story, story. And what it does, it neuters. It neuters, yes, life. And so life gets to be to you something that's not worth knowing, really. It's not worth finding out. Yeah? Ah. And then what? Then you have to jump off of bridges to get a rush. Yeah? you got to have a menage or a six-o or something. you got to do some fucking crazy shit. Hang yourself just before asphyxiation and get fucked. Maybe you'll die, but hey, with a rush. I mean, we're out to lunch, really. Like fucking electric shock to feel like, hey, we're really doing something today. <laughs> I mean, seriously. When I was three years old, I wasn't looking for a meditation practice. I wasn't reading Common Ground, that magazine, trying to find the next workshop to order online. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was awake, and the immediacy of living was enough, more than enough. What happened? 
must have grew into something, yeah? I'd say we grew into self-centeredness. Our attention and awareness, not our awareness, but our attention and interest got captured by being appalled, yes? And have you ever met, I remember when I first got introduced to spirituality. Obviously, I had no idea of spirituality. I'm 17 years old or something. But I had thousands of ideas about it. I couldn't fucking believe it. I met a guru. I'd never met any guru before. But when I met a guru, I had thousands of ideas of how a guru should be. Yes? And how they shouldn't be. And how me as a devotee shouldn't be and should be. Where did they come from? Not from my experience. I hadn't had any yet. Yes? They came from that catacomb of old ideas and thoughts coming in the system of self-centeredness. Yes? I had the most incredible dilemma there. I met a guy, a guru, when I was young, like 20, and he was presented to me in the group as the Lord of the Universe. Pretty nice title. Lord of the Universe. Not like helper or friend or even teacher, but the Lord the Lord of the Universe. Now I have a concept of the universe, and I have a lot of concepts of the Lord, you know? But put them together, it's a pretty big concept. Lord of the universe. So I got involved with this Lord of the universe, and I, he taught us a form of meditation, which I like. I meditate a lot. You know, I love the meditation. But I didn't like the Lord of the universe. Now, now here you go. In self-centeredness. The Lord of the universe. Me. I don't like the Lord of the universe. What does that make me? <laughs> it didn't make me a nice thing. And though I was identified as a thing, it was definitely not a nice thing. Because who the hell would not like the Lord of the Universe? Someone very bad, very bad evil. <laughs> and you know what? There's no escape from that kind of conclusion in self-centeredness. Just like when my father got ill when I was young. I got really ill when I was six. Uh, and he used to play with me a lot, yeah? Play with me, just throw the ball and everything. And he was really participating in my life. Then he got ill. And when he got ill, he stopped playing with me. He couldn't hang out with me as much. So my family sat me down, I vaguely remember, and they told me, hey, Dad can't play with you as much as he used to. He's really ill. Yeah? And maybe their doctor, my home family doctor, came and told me. And it didn't matter how much people said... How I viewed it in my in here was I must have done something to cause my father not to want to play with me. It didn't matter how much therapy I would have got. That was the initial sense felt thing. That's self-centeredness to the core. Yes, something's going on that has absolutely nothing to do with you. But when you look at it, it has to have something to do with you. Yes, it's the same thing with guilt. Guilt and shame. And the course they'd always talk about. And I'm going to change the course just from my own opinion of it. But in the course of miracles, it would say the major thing that's happening here is really truly self-centeredness. We all have ideas of beauty and love, yes, perfectness, bliss, light, yes. They're in there metaphorically or archetypically in the conditioning, yes. Heaven, if you want to call it that. Beyond transcendence, utopia, Madonna. Yeah? And yet, your daily experience is of this place. People beating each other up, or ripping each other off, you know, using each other in intimate relationships, and some nice things, but a lot of shit goes on. Now, how is your little head going to make, from that picture and this quote unquote reality, 
you don't believe it's going to write you into the story, that you must have had something to do with this, if that's the possibility and yet it's not happening, I must have done something. That was the whole basis of the Course in Miracles, the inherent guilt of believing you're the cause of separation. If you actually believe the space is real, that you're truly separate, that you were of that space of allness, but you've taken a choice and made this to be more important. Why do you think that's going to produce in the head of self centeredness Huge, huge. Some circles they call it the iron ball and the gut, you know, the initial contraction of selfing. Yes? That contraction is guilt. <laughs> guilt. Oh no, look what I did. <laughs> there is a God, but I have no recourse to ever know it again. <laughs> There's no relief in itself. Self's not going to get any relief in self. Temporary, but it's always temporary relief is actually a, is is a is a function of the long-term illness of self. Temporary relief is a function of the long-term illness of self in time. You'll get temporary relief here and there and there and here there, but the dominant state will be disease. Yes? And the disease will produce a hope that it can get better, which produces expectations, which produces incredible disappointments, which creates more mental suffering. Yes? And so on and so forth. And your interest and attention get totally absorbed up the ass of self. Not self, self-thing, yes? It gets sucked up there, big time. And you need a lot of relief up there. So seeking is just is abounding, abounding. I know people that have been enlightened three times this lifetime. Three times. They've announced it three freaking times that they're enlightened. Jesus Christ, I thought it would take maybe one. Three. I don't believe it takes any, but three is going overboard. And another, I swear, they call me up every week and they're on to another amazing thing. They just don't stop. They're just looking and looking and looking, trying to get better. You don't see that as an illness? To me, it's a deep illness trying to get better. The need to be liberated is all from self, all from self. There is truly, out of selfing, there's no need to be liberated because nothing is seen to be inherently real. Yes? So why would you want to be liberated from it? The liberation is from the need to be liberated. You see that, hey, there's actually nothing really going on here. And then everything's going on. Hot now, right? You didn't know we were going to have Bikram Yoga after this. <laughs> we're having a, see, I, I gave up on just giving talks. Now it's nutritional advice. Cheat Kong at 1 30. We've got fucking tantric. Well, that one likes that. Tantric practice. 3 o'clock. We do pure vegan lunch. 4 o'clock purification. Five o'clock, walk around a temple or statue 108 times. <laughs> I'll keep your mind busy. This is being free, seriously. Freedom is when your interest and attention to me is broken from that bondage to self. And then you can just live wherever it goes. It's like it's cooped up in the little farm of self, and now it's free range. Yes? Because. It thrives in just being free-range. It, it creates neuroses and incredible perversions in the mind when it's caught in this loop of self-importance. It really does. I mean, that's what 
causes your suffering to be so exquisite as what's entertaining you. It's not the presentation of why you should be suffering. That's, that's just thoughts and or feeling combined with thought. It's your believing in the thought and feeling that gives it the juice of that. It's your believing, oh, this is really so, what's it saying? That's what illuminates it or gives it life. There is no thing, there is no object called an illusion that's forcing itself on us. There is no object whatsoever here. This is a dream. This dreaming going on, this verbing going on. One of the aspects of this dream is selfing, but our attention and interest is absorbed in that, so it dominates all the other streams. Yes? Not that it dominates them, our interest and attention lights it up more than the others. So at the same time, selfing is going on, there was all these other streams going on. Yes? And most of those streams have no... The center of that stream is not self. It's not self-centered. You know what I mean? If you're not identified as a self, whatever you contact, whatever modality starts downloading information from you, most of them are not centered as self. They don't have a self in it. Yes? So it's sort of like when someone takes a plant here and it affects the human conscious, yeah? You take psilocybin or ayahuasca, you take plants and it affects your way of seeing your human consciousness with a plant consciousness. That plant consciousness doesn't have self as a center, probably. So it's a totally different way of looking. Well, you don't need to take these things. You can entertain other modalities that don't have self as a center. So you see without the filter of selfing. To me, what it does is it translates as a traveling light of you. And then by its fruit, you know the tree. You realize the problem by the solution. When there's, a free, when there's a freedom, and it's not an event, it's a verb, when there's freedom from the bondage of self, the bondage of self is seen to be the quote-unquote problem. Very clearly. Very, very clearly. When self is, being, is recognizing self as a problem, that's also a problem. Yes? That's what in recovery they call self-knowledge will avail you nothing. When knowledge is being acquired in the in the paradigm of being a self, that becomes self-knowledge. It will not lead you to freedom from self. It's just, well, just going to fuck with you even more. Yeah? But this is about having not that bondage. The self is broken. You see anew. Yeah? You have a new freedom and a new happiness. That freedom and happiness you have isn't of a self, in a way. Yeah? You actually use, you find out that you have it by giving it away. What coke dealer did you ever meet that practiced that? I always like to go over that. What Coke dealer did you ever know that had it by giving it away? Very rarely. It's not one of the principles in this place, yes? We have things by hoarding them and privatizing them and mining them and claiming them. But in this modality, you have it by giving it away, yes? You can spend time with others because it's not your time. <laughs> My time is so valuable. What about yours? Oh, fuck yours. My time is so valuable. I don't have any time to spend on you. <laughs> so I don't know. You'll know the solution. You'll know the problem by the solution. And that's all you need to know. If I'm not that, what else is there to do? You don't turn and, and you don't turn and immediately <clears throat> drop into selfie again and go, all right, well, where am I? That's selfie. Yes? You're looking yourself as a self. You're trying to find your authentic self something. Some Alright, I recognize my false selves. Now where's my authentic self? They're the same thing. 
dualistic thing. False and authentic, same, same. This is just, I'm not that, what you are is that. You are, the seeing is of, I'm not that. That's what you are. That seeing is what I am. Yeah? That's the closest I can define it. It's the seeing is what I am. And most of the time, what I'm seeing is what I'm not. And after a while, you realize, I'm not a thing. You know, this doesn't, you don't say this, it happens. It's not seek being in, yeah? And you travel as if you're not a thing, while appearing to be a thing. Ah, pretty nice. <laughs> That's what you're on, bro. You're on this little journey transferring your attention and interest from, not you transferring it, but transfer your interest and attention from self-centeredness to another centeredness. That's all it is. Yeah? The self-centeredness has a gravitational pull. It'll try to pull you back. Because all the thoughts, you believe the thoughts are fucking with you, but it's the planet Jeremy that's holding them into place. It's your belief and attention thinking they're about you that keep them going like this. Even if it may be a a long, giant orbit, they always seem to come back, yeah? Because you have them, you've set the orbit by your gravitational pull, your interest and attention. When that idea of being that planet drops out, what happens? Everything moves, yeah? Everything has a nature, it comes and goes. Thoughts come and then go. Feelings come, go. And what happens with all the coming and going, after a while, without the emphasis on that, you get the emphasis on the context. What is holding the space for everything to come and go? Yes? And there's no way you can be anything other than that when you're there. You'll see it. You'll see it. You'll see it. By seeing I'm not what's always constant coming and going, there's a sense that I must be that which is always so. The seeing of it. See, people think the seeing is a verb. I'm doing. I'm conscious today. That's a total claiming of what's already so by mind. Mind claims consciousness as a verb that it's doing. It's not a verb that you're doing. Consciousness is a field. It's a medium. It's like a whatever. It's the context. It's like the sky with everything appearing in it. That sky is more of what I am than what's appearing in it. My attention and interest has been wed to what's appearing in it because this cloud seems to be here longer than most other clouds. But if you notice, this cloud came and it's also going. Yeah? It's all just different degrees. Like a bug gets born this morning and it's dead by four in the afternoon. Maybe two, I just stepped on it. Took two hours of its life, which is a pretty big bit of time. I think I'm more real because I seem to last longer. But I have the same nature. I came and went as this, don't I? How can you just how can you think that this appearance is really truly different than the appearance of this chair? If we both move, we did not take up any space. You didn't have to move any space into where the chair was or where I was. If the chair was moved, you'd only remember it. The only way you would know there was a chair ever there was by memory. The same way you know you is by memory. Yeah? And when it was left, the only effects the chair would have had on anything would be other appearances. The floor that it was resting on and some maybe it rubbed up against the wall. But in this space, there would be no effect of it. Right? It would show no impression of being ever here. 
What is that? It's the exact example of what we are as mind and what we are as an appearance in mind. But our attention and interest is wedded as being this instead of being free and attaining that. Yeah. It's never too late. Just maybe hold that I may not be this. I'm not saying what you are. I'm just pointing out you may not be that. If you're not that, that's being what you are. There's no step or process to become what you are because you are already it. The, pe- the message does not take any time and its solution doesn't take any time to appear because it's already always so. It's just not being noticed. Yeah? Our attention and interest isn't noting it. We're noting the length of my pants or my zipper down or that girl I wanted to see here, and she's right or whatever. Yeah? We're noticing tons of other things, but we're not noticing the space. Yeah. I believe why you're noticing all of this is because you're identified as this. That's all. If you're not this, you'll see your attention will be freed from something. And your attention is the greatest teacher. Really, better than any scripture. You'll know it in your gut. You'll just know. It'll be like a last answer or an unspoken yes. It's just... You don't need any more further conviction or anything like that. It's just done. It's a done deal. Yeah. See, it may take time to translate here, but you'll travel lighter as time goes by. And that's the proof in the pudding. All the other stuff about, oh, I'm going to go to heaven after life, or I'm going to be enlightened for fifth life after this. Who gives a fuck about that, really? Don't you want to just feel an ease and comfort now? I would imagine, really, really, all these high-fluid ideas we give to it, but we're, really, it's just a dog-shit satisfaction in mind. Satisfied. Something that doesn't come from an experience, but is a state. Yeah? You're pretty satisfied most of the time. Hallelujah, man, that's traveling lighter. You want to sign up for the next, you know, Bible class? No, I don't think. I don't think so. Don't you think, don't you know what this will bring you? Well, I may be living it. Why would I want it brought again? If I get into the excitement of me having it brought to me, which itself loves, oh, I'd love to have this message brought to me, it would be just a way of putting it off that I am that. Yeah? I want to be that in Bali. Okay. But I am that in Marin City, in an ammonia-soaked room. I thought we'd all be wearing robes, though. No? Tattoos, everything. Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't look like I thought it would. Thank God. It doesn't look anyway. That's the whole point. If it's a way of, if you're looking for it to look away, you're missing the seeing of it. The seeing of it is the it. It's not how it looks, it's seen. Seen. Questions today. I love my crew because they I've conditioned them never to ask questions. These other 